Hello and welcome back to Where Is My Mom Manual. My name is Lauren Martha and I am a new mom to two amazing little ones, Logan, age two, and Ella, four months. Each week, you will hear actionable tips and strategies that you can implement into your daily life as a mom. These tips are retrieved through interviews, Bible studies, and trial and error from new moms like myself to more seasoned moms with experience. In today's podcast, my special guest, dear friend, and spiritual accountability partner will reveal her struggles with postpartum depression and how she was able to overcome fear and anxiety and how the church was an incredible part of that healing process for her. As a Christian, we don't have to fight or struggle with fear. We can simply hand it over to the Lord. In 1 John 4 and 18, it says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. Because fear hath torment, he that feareth is not made perfect in love. Okay, Jessica, I am so glad to have you on the podcast, and I just told your name, but my favorite friend, <laughs> a dear a dear friend is here today, and I would love to go ahead and have you tell me about yourself. Hi, guys. Um, just like I said, she said my name, mm-hmm. so I'm Jessica. Uh, I am married to Brent Coots, and we have two beautiful children, Charlotte and Benjamin. Benjamin is um, four going on 14 and Charlotte is almost two going on 12. So yeah, all that's happening. Uh, We're heavily involved in our church and ministry. We love serving the kingdom. We um, just started a small adventure. Uh, We have a children's boutique, uh, Rose and Sage Boutique. And um, so yeah, we're just enjoying life and doing ministry. Well, with all of that being said, it would make perfect sense that you're here today to discuss the difficult topic of anxiety and depression. And I wanted to ask you how a Christian should respond to this diagnosis, as I know that you were diagnosed with postpartum depression after your second baby, Charlotte. How did you handle this diagnosis and what feelings led to you seeking medical treatment? So I first want to start off by saying that I'm not a professional. Um, I don't have any kind of doctorate degree or anything fancy like that. This is just um, my single-handed experience and my struggles with anxiety. So I can only speak from my experiences and not anyone else's because every experience is different with both anxiety and or depression. So this is just a little bit about my story and about the struggles that I have had with having babies and ministry and life sometimes and grief. Um, So this is just kind of a little bit of my story. So just to start off with, uh, after I had my daughter Charlotte, I struggled with anxiety and postpartum depression. And I really, to be honest, I didn't feel like I was struggling with it at first. I had the help of my husband and, you know, you have a toddler and a newborn and it is stressful, but I really just felt like I was getting through it okay until, which I had her in the middle of COVID and so you couldn't really get the help really that you need, or I felt like I needed. There was a lot of things you had to cross to get to the doctor. It was insane to say the least. But what I really felt like when I noticed that, hey, I'm, I'm struggling, I need help, 
was probably um, about, she was about four months old, I would say. And Brent went back to work and trying to get back to normal life and church and different things like that. And she was a cry, she was a crier anyway, and she had stomach problems. So, you know, it was just a combination of things. Uh, I was dealing with the death of my mom just the year before. And so I would definitely say it was a combination. So Brandon went back to work. Um, one day I was trying to get the kids ready. We had an appointment and Charlotte was just crying and crying and crying. And Ben was running around doing toddler things. And I just melted. I, she was crying. He was running, screaming, and I just melted into tears onto the floor. And it took me about 20 minutes to gather myself together and to get off the floor. And I told, I had to call Brent and I was like, Hey, I need you to come home. Like now I'm desperate. I can't, I need you now. I don't care what it takes. I need you to, to just leave work. (laughs) They could fire you. I don't care. I need you home now. And so he came home and we sat down that night and he was like, look, you crazy girl. No, no, I'm just kidding. He didn't say that. But he was like, you I, you need some some help or you need to go to the doctor. You need to seek something. You need medication or you know, maybe you need to talk it out or whatever. Oh. Yeah. And so I, I was when it broke for me and I knew, okay, I'm, I need something. I need to be to be better for my baby, for my son, for my husband, for, for our our marriage, for our ministry, for all the different things. So it was, it all came to a head and, and so yeah, that's what, kind of where it started, so. Right. Well, with that being said, did, did the feelings persist daily? Was it a daily feeling, an overwhelming feeling of anxiety for you? I would definitely say yes. Um, it wasn't until I was really on the medication that every single day it was just overwhelming. Because when you deal with, and I'm sure there's moms out there who've had crying babies nonstop. When you deal with a crying baby and there's nothing you can do, it plays on your mind. It plays on so many things you feel like you're gonna just lose it on everybody you don't care who's in the way it's like a cannon and it's about to just explode (laughs) so it was definitely a daily battle for me until I sought help and decided okay I'm gonna try medication and see and it took you know two or three different kinds of medication because you know it makes makes you sick or nauseous or whatever the case may be so and also to throw in that too, um, to go back to the whether it was circumstantial or um, hormones, I do feel like that it was a both. I mean, when you have a new baby and you're a new mom, even even if it's your second baby, you still are going to have it's going to have its own struggles because not every baby is the same. Right. Uh, also, I had lost my mom just a year before, so I was dealing with grief of losing her and then having a new baby and not having my mom. And, you know, moms are such an important part when you have kids. They they see you and they see your struggles and they're able to step up and help you and I didn't have that and so it was a void that I was I guess trying to fill maybe but it was definitely um, a struggle so 
Yeah. Even now, it's still, it still touches your emotions. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Did the medication and, and counseling or counseling help you heal? Or, and how was the church helpful to you during this time? So um, I didn't really seek counseling. Uh, I've only been to counseling one time. And I feel like it, counseling is important. If you have the money, if you have the means, if you know someone, go to counseling. I solely encourage that. If, if you have the opportunity, if you make time, it, it is so important if you can do that. Um, the medication did help me. I don't want to sit here and advocate that it's for everyone because it's not for everyone. Yeah. I, um, it was just what I needed in that moment to heal so that I could begin my healing process to get better, to, to be where I needed to be. So, I, How was the church helpful? So I would say as far as the church helping, um, it was my absolute, absolute rock. Uh, God is my soul. He restored me in my weakest. Um, I could be at the altar weeping, and there was always someone there to lift up my arms, to lift up me in prayer, to lift up my family in prayer. There was never a time that I felt like the church was against me. The church has always been for me. God is always for me. So I'm thankful that, you know, my God and my church and my family have always been there. And it's definitely a safe place for me. So um, I encourage you to find a place, uh, to find a church to attend and let you know, God fill that void that medication can't fill sometimes. And with that being said, you know, you said you didn't go to counseling, but Jesus is our counselor. He's the ultimate counselor. And so if you have a church, you know that you've, you've also found a good place that encourages you talking to the Lord and seeking counsel. So that's beautiful. Do you think that people understood you in that time of difficulty? Like, or did you feel misunderstood? I mean, for me personally, I never felt misunderstood. I, I felt like, you know, most people can, you can connect with most people on any level, you know, through grief or through circumstances in life, uh, through postpartum, because there's plenty of women in the church who've, who've been there, who are much older than me, who can say, yes, I've been there. I've done it. You're going to be okay. You're going to make it through. You're going to, you're going to get past this rut that you're in and this, this place of defeat that you feel. He's, I definitely feel like people understood where I was and, you know, not, not everybody can see your struggles, but God can see your struggle. He can see your hearts. He can see the very deepest, dark places that your neighbor next to you can't see. And um, so. Um, I noticed earlier you were talking about your husband and his kind of funny response towards he came to you very abruptly. Did, did that hurt your feelings? Do you have um, suggestions for people who may have a family member going through depression and anxiety? So, I mean, my feelings don't get hurt very much. Um, So, no, I didn't feel like it hurt my feelings. He is my rock. And so I needed him to, in, in essence, to shake me and say, hey, you know, you're in this place. I need you to 
to snap to it. I need you to <laughs> gather it together and, yeah. and do what you need to do. So I wasn't offended by the fact that he said, hey, I think you need help because I need that. That's why, that's why whenever you marry someone, you become one. And that's the purpose of being married to, to your partner is for them to, when, when you're weak, they're strong, for them yeah. to lift you up and to be that shoulder to lean on. So That's right, yeah. Tough love. <laughs> Was there a time of conviction or deliverance that led you to getting off the medication? Because you're no longer on anxiety medicine, are you? No, I actually um, only stayed on the medication for maybe six, maybe eight months. It was a short time for me. I never felt convicted per se. Uh, I just knew that I didn't want to depend on that to get me through for the rest of my life. I knew that it was a season. And let me just put this in there is I know not everyone I know it's not a season for everyone. I truly believe that depression and anxiety can be debilitating. Just for me and where I was in in my season, I I didn't want to depend on that to get me through all the hard times because I know that in each season is is only a place to grow and it's for God to to come in and and grow. Mm -hmm. And if we're numb with medication he really can't do what he needs to do so it was definitely just I felt like in my spirit and in my heart that okay now's the time I'm I'm healed enough that I can do it by strength I can do it by the strength that God's given me and so that's just where I was with that but I if you aren't in that place, it's okay. Yeah. It's, it's okay if you need to depend on it for a little bit longer. It's okay that if you feel like I, it, you can't live without it. Yeah. You know, don't just hear my words and say, oh, well, I'm just this weak person because I can't get off this medication. No, it's not that. Not everyone is the same. Not everyone's walk with God is the same. Not everyone's circumstances are the same. So just do what you can do and let God help you along the way. So were you delivered or did, did it just happen? I would say it just happened. It was just one day I was like, Oh, I think, I think I'm okay. I think I can face it. it." Yeah. Because sometimes, and this is, it's the same with grief. You know, sometimes you push down all of those feelings because you don't feel like you can face it. And you don't feel like that it's too much. It's too much right now. I can't deal with those feelings because it's going to hurt. Yeah. But Well, even in the Bible, there were disciples who were sick in their body. And God advised that they take medicine to heal. And so I do believe that God gives us doctors and physicians in order to heal. And so... Uh, Many people struggle with overwhelming feelings of anxiety, worry, and fear, and they often talk about being trapped by these feelings. They just can't think of anything else or don't know what to do to make them not so overwhelming. And I have a quote here that says, in 2018, anxiety disorders are the most common mental illness in the U.S., affecting 40 million adults in the United States ages 18 and older. That is 18.1% of the population every year. 
Anxiety disorders are highly treatable, yet only 36.9% of those suffering receive treatment. With such an increase in diagnosed anxiety, how do you think that the church body of Christ should be responding to this onslaught of fear? Because that's what anxiety is. It's fear. It's a spirit of fear that's attacking the saints. How should we respond to that? So I feel like God will always meet us where we are and in our need and in our fear and in the anxiety that we feel. So I I feel like that the church, if we could just as a body or as an individual, if you know someone, to be present to be to be an ear to listen. We don't have to fix everyone's problems. Yeah. That that's what God's job is. But if if we could just listen to that person's fear or that person's anxiety and be present in that moment, we don't have to fix it. We don't have to understand. We don't have to have gone through what they went through, but just to be present. Yeah. That's all people really want is just somebody to say, I hear you, and I'm standing with you and in prayer, and I will listen if you need that ear. And and pray for that person, because only God knows their whole story. Yeah. We don't have to know all the, all the details of their story, because yeah. truthfully, like I said, we can't fix it. We're not the fixers. Only God can do that. And so don't be nosy, just saying. (laughs) (laughs) And make no, don't make assumptions about people, you know. Lauren may struggle with something that I totally don't even understand. And if I assume that whatever, she might be mad at me or something, and that's not the case. We just have to be willing, be a willing vessel to to just help people and understand them and and be there, be that listening ear, so... Yeah. Since I do go to church with you, I know that I have been here for part of your journey, your healing journey, and I've seen people grab you up and hug you, and I've seen you had the the healing process of weeping and crying with others, and that to me has been such a testament of how we can be an open arm, we can be a a hug, Mm -hmm. and we can love people through their hurt, because I've never known how to respond to hurt. And I, I hate that you went through it, and I hate the loss. But in that, have you learned how to love others? I would definitely say yes, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, God has a funny way of doing that. Yeah. He has a funny way of taking your um, circumstances in your life, things that happen in your life, and making it a teachable moment. Um, not to get emotional, but the day that, um, and I think I've told you this before, the day that my mom passed away, we drove back from Houston. She was in a hospital in Houston where she passed away. And a friend of mine called me and she was just like, I am so sorry. And because, you you know, there's no perfect words to say in that moment. And I just cried on the phone and I, I told her on the phone, I said, God is in this I feel so, so much peace, so much peace, even with losing my mom at such a young age, there was peace. And God has a way of sweeping in, in that moment and giving you peace. Even when you don't think that you can pick up that next foot and and make that step forward. He's so 
beautiful and he's so present in in the help that you need in that moment that he just swept in in that car and he just gave me peace because I knew, I knew, God, I, I see your hand in this. I see that you have such a greater plan for my life, for my sister's life, for my brother's life, for my dad's life, that in this grief and in this moment, that he was going to do something so much greater than we could see in that moment. I mean, this was almost three years ago. And so much has happened. So much growth has happened in that three years. So don't be so beaten down by your anxiety or by your depression that you lose that God's going to come in and he's going to do something special. You may not see it a month from now. You might not see it in 6 months from now, but in 3 years down the road, you can look back and say, "Hey, he was there. He yeah. never left me. He never forsook me. He was always there. He just had to bring some things to fruition in your life to happen to whatever the case may be. So I truly know that God's hand has never left me, even in the most difficult times in my life. So, Something so powerful about you is that while you were mourning and you, you was in the middle of grief and you didn't make that your identity, I never knew that you struggled with anxiety until we had a private conversation. Your identity was you were a youth pastor's wife, you were a prayer warrior. You maintained your identity as every ministry that you could get your hands involved in. In fact, I think you took on more in your time of grief. And that's so powerful because you did not become known by your problems. You became known by your work ethic and your your love for God. And I think that that's an, a way to overcome. Um, do you have any tips for those who need to do something, maybe a physical activity, such as journaling, what would you advise for others to get through this experience? So I never actually, um, to be honest, I never really did journaling or uh, anything extracurricular, I guess, but (laughs) my sister did, and she loved journaling, and I think it helped her a lot. I think one of my the things that got me through was just staying busy just um not staying at home and staying you know alone like I always wanted to be with someone hang out with someone let my kids play with someone you know not not just being cooped up at the house because I think that's where it can get scary is when you isolate yourself so just if journaling helps you journal, if, if having a conversation with someone, go have that conversation, go have coffee, go have a play date, go to the park, go, because I did all of those things. I didn't, you know, I didn't journal or anything like that, but I did keep myself from just being isolated at home. And because I knew me, I knew myself and I didn't want to be alone. I I needed to have conversation with adults, <laughs> not toddlers all day. So. Yeah. But if, if you feel like journaling, or go talk to a counselor. I mean, it is definitely, it's helped my sister. She's seen a counselor for uh, almost a year now, and she said it has changed her life. Yeah. So, yeah, do that if that helps you. Yeah. Just talking it out, it really helped you through the process, huh? Yes. So fear can be completely debilitating, debilitating to the point of causing infirmities that would not otherwise exist but by fear. Based on your deliverance from anxiety and depression, 
What is your advice to those who are completely crippled by fear? So if we look at the book of Job, I love the book of Job. It's it's my favorite talking about, you know, people who are uh, just covered with fear because of depression, anxiety. If we can look at Job and see all of what he had been through yeah. and know that God's hand was on him the entire time. And in the midst of Job losing all of his immense possessions, losing his children, he suffered physically. I mean, his body was covered in boils from head to toe. And his heart was grieved because of all of these things happening in his life at that moment. He could have been so crippled by fear. He could have been just, I mean, his wife told him, Job, just curse God and be done with it. Just, just. Forget it. What do you? You're wasting your time, and that's exactly what the enemy wants you to do. Just say, "Oh, for, just forget living for God. Just forget doing, you know, all of the works, all of the things that God wants me to do in the kingdom. Just forget about all of that because you're so crippled by fear. You're so crippled by, well, what if this happens, or what if I get sick, or what if all of these possibilities or things that you think can happen? But Job never." never lost his he never lost his gaze upon the lord he always looked to him he was anchored in in him yeah and that's so true for today i mean look at this world and and all of the things i mean she just said spoke about what 18 percent of americans 18.9 there that that are crippled by depression anxiety and, and here we are, the church, we're the body of Christ, and that's how we should reach the people is showing that we're anchored in the truth, we're anchored in God, and we have our gaze set upon Him, knowing that He's never going to take His hand off of us, even when it seems like He had. Yeah. Even when Job thought, well, maybe He did take His hand off of me. I've lost my children, I've lost my house, I've lost my wife, I've lost all of these things, but He never gave up. Yeah. And I feel... I love the book of Job because it's so tangible because we struggle. I mean, we struggle with things like maybe not bulls all over our body, but we've lost, you know, homes or we've lost family or, you know, we've lost, lost jobs or money or whatever the case may be, but dig your heels in and don't let go of God. Just dig into your church, dig into the kingdom Dig into children's ministry if that's your calling, to youth ministry, and into sound, into music, into media. I mean, there's so many places you can dig into God, and He will meet you there. Don't allow the fear of the enemy to depress you, to to put you in a box or in a bottle and, and confine you to those places because God has so much more for you than that. Yeah. It's like the old song. It says, turn your eyes upon Jesus and the things of this world will grow strangely dim. Anxiety will grow dim, fear, everything. I love that. Yes. And, and let me say this one more thing is Jesus is our advocate. He He's our, our father. He's our good, good father. Yeah. He cares about you and he intercedes for us in the midst of the craziest, hardest, darkest storms of our life. He's there. Yeah. 
So. I wish I had that verse pulled up, but it's the, the verse that says, whenever we speak in tongues and we pray in the Spirit, our heart, our spirit will, will intercede on our behalf. Yes. The Spirit will make known yes. what we need whenever we have not the words. So we can turn to Jesus for everything. Mm-hmm. And our, my final question for you is, loneliness is often a side effect or the cause of depression and anxiety. If you could give advice to a mom who may be feeling alone, how can she make friends through this loneliness? I heard you say that uh, friendship and talking to mom friends is what helped you through. It did. It, it helped me so much um, because I think, you know, sometimes we we sit at home in our quiet time or the kids are taking a nap and we think that, you know, nobody cares or nobody cares to hear your problems or, you know, it's, it's the same old same. But truly, people do care. People want to hear your struggles or your your weaknesses or, hey, I did this and I was good at this or, you know, people want to hear all of it. We we think that nobody cares, but that's just what the world wants you to think. Yeah. But when you live for God and you're in the kingdom, I mean, I find myself, it's easy to love people. It is, I mean, it's easy to see past that facade or past that frown and and know that they just need a conversation. So um, for me, like I said, it it was definitely being present and having that time with different moms and having that time with my family that did get me through. So, yeah, that makes perfect sense. She said, I don't know if that makes sense. (laughs) That makes perfect sense because I remember you reaching out to me being present whenever you you were hurting and I was like oh my goodness she I should be the one texting her but you'd be like hey I miss you today and through that texting and loving others Mm -hmm. you just made all these friendships and I now know that you're a friend to everyone in the church but you make each person feel just as important as the next and I love you (laughs) but my mom I hear her say often she says look at every person as though they have a sign around their neck and it says hug me That stood out to me on so many occasions. Um, Do you have any closing thoughts? So I I think I've told this story before, but I always like to tell it because it's just it's just so good. I was at a ladies' conference one time, and uh, Sister Delauder was there, and I just I felt like I was still a new babe in Christ, you know, even though I had been in church for you know two or three years or maybe even four years at that point, I still felt just so new. There was so much I was still learning. And we were at that ladies' conference, and she came up, and she was praying for me. And she, if you know my pastor's wife, (laughs) y'all, she gets wild in the Holy Ghost. (laughs) And uh, she grabbed me, and she was praying for me. And she laid her hands on my head, and she said, I don't have anything. How did she say it? I don't have anything to impart to you. She said, the only thing I can tell you is to love people, to love people. So love people. That's all he's called us to do is to love people, to love them through their faults, their depression, their anxiety, their, their faults, their disappointments, their shortcomings, all of these things that we struggle with. I struggle with Lauren struggles with God has just called us to love people. And so, just love people. Love them. Meet them where they are. 
and they'll you'll be surprised when you meet somebody where they are in their need how much light can come to that situation so i definitely i'm thankful for the leadership in my life who has shown me how to love people because there's no greater two greater people to be a pastor and pastor's wife than brother and sister daughter they have loved people i've watched it with my own eyes they don't change they love the same whether they're the poorest the richest the middle class the anything they love people and if there's one thing that i could take away from living for god is just to love people thank you jessica so much for sharing your testimony it was so powerful and you made the point about loving others and how it brought you through how your busyness and your work ethic and your your ability to see others is what kept you on track and kept your sanity and in the end brought your deliverance. I, Before I close out, I want to tell how God healed me of anxiety. Um, anxiety for me began whenever I was at the very young age of nine years old. And at the young age of nine, I would wake up in the middle of the night with my heart pounding and tears streaming down my face. I was I was panicking and I would run into my parents' room and I'd wake them up and I'd say, hey, I need to sleep with you. Please let me come sleep in your room. And in that moment, their love made me feel safe and I was able to overcome fear. But I would lay there and I would not be able to sleep and I would try and close my eyes really tight, but I'd open them up and I'd be like, okay, no, it's not working. I need, I need something else. I need you to pray for me. So I'm so thankful that I have praying parents and I cannot imagine how the young people of this world must feel. Where do they turn to when they live in a home that does not have prayer? Prayer is so important in our home. And I'm thankful that I have that example of prayer in my life that I can pass to my children and I will have a solution. That is the solution that our world needs. Prayer is the solution. Um, They would pray for me and I would go to sleep. And the next night it would be this, this continual cycle of trying to sleep and running into my parents' room and waking them up and then them praying with me until one night God woke my mom up before I ever came in there and said, hey, Lauren is about to come into your room because the spirit of fear has attacked her and I want you to go ahead and get up and pray. So my mom woke my dad up and they began to pray together and intercede on my behalf. They stood in the gap and whenever I came running in there, I said, I'm afraid, I'm afraid, pray for me. And so they began to pray, but that time something changed. Fear did not come back and show his ugly head until years later, whenever I had backslid and I was living rebelliously and my once uh, clean house was not clean anymore and those spirits came back to attack me and torment me. And this time I was at work and my heart would race and my chest would get heavy and I could swear to you that my left arm was going numb and I was having a full-blown heart attack and this happened on several occasions and I would run to the doctor and get them to do stress tests and oh you name it I was freaking out I knew that I was having a heart attack 
but the doctor, they told me that, no, I wasn't having a heart attack. I needed to breathe, calm down. I just had anxiety. So they, they did prescribe me with anxiety medication, but the medication was not for me. And it made my skin tingle and it did just made me feel horrible. Uh, but I was able to come back to God. I repented of my sins. I got right with God and the journey of healing began for me. It was not a miraculous, it didn't happen all instant. It, it was a process for me. And I still, I still maintain the healing through these steps that I'm about to tell you, because I do believe that we can encourage each other. And my journey began by changing my diet and I stopped eating gluten and I took, take my vitamins and I take my vitamins consistently now and I can give you my list of vitamins. But um, I began to study gut health after um, Sister McLean uh, began to share some gut health and gluten, how those two affect your um, your gut health and how that affects your, your mind and depression and how we can affect our neurosystem and by simply eating better because we have neurotransmitters that um, are affected by what we eat. And if we are not eating healthily, we can suffer with depression and anxiety because our brain is not able to communicate properly what it needs. And, you know, I'm not a doctor, but I do know that you can do research on this and, and understand it a whole lot better than what I understand it. But we are our gut influences our brain is all I can say, basically. And um, in learning this, I began to pray for wisdom and ask God to help me with my diet. I literally prayed that God would help me. And along came Logan, my little two-year-old. And I was able to change my diet for him because I was breastfeeding and um in the nursing process, there were just certain things that I would eat and it did not agree with him. So my little babies are my miracles and my cures for everything because this has set me on the right path and it's been a good two years where I have not struggled with anxiety because of the changes in my diet. And not only that, I have become consistent in reading my Bible, journaling and prayer and those three things are a complete game changer, complete game changer. I wake up, I read my Bible, drink my coffee, and after I read my Bible, I write down the verse and what it means to me, and I I just think on it, and I think how I can apply this to my day, and then I will pray. And I am a completely different person with these steps of my life, and I encourage you to find a way to cope. If that be medication, so so be it, you know. But however, wherever you are in your journey, make Jesus a part of that process. He can direct you. He can order your steps. He can let you know, hey, you could really do without that much medication. You don't have to take this or maybe you need to take a little bit more, <laughs> whatever it is, take counsel from your friends and family and say, Hey, you know, I, I've noticed that I'm acting a little bit grumpy. Have you noticed? Am I, what, what do you advise for me? You're the ones who are closest to you are going to be the ones who can give you your best um, advice because they know you so well and they can see these mental changes, these, these unhealthy choices that you've been making. Take that counsel, take that advice. It may be a hard truth for us to swallow sometimes, 
but God is able to help us. And I am praying for each and every one of you. And I believe that God can also heal you and help you through this process. I pray that you can join me every Monday at 8 a.m. as we will be releasing new and fresh content. And I'm thankful that you are listening. And I pray that today's day is blessed and you are highly favored. Thank you and have a good one.